0: Awesome, thank you. With the woo, you know, I I bring my own cheering section with me wherever I go, uh, so it don't matter. Um, thank you guys so much. As Alan told you, my name is uh, Corey Sanders. I pastor a church way down in South Florida, um, in Homestead, Florida, to be exact, West uh, Side. Okay, so we do that down there too. Um, and where I'm at, they call me the Rubber Band Man um, because I'm always stretching our people. Um, but they also call me the stage steward, okay? That means I steward well the space of the stage, okay? So that means, I know some of your white brothers don't know how to move beyond this space here, okay? But I'm gonna use all of this, okay? I may even jump up there at some point, okay? I can do it in 15 minutes, Um, So thank you guys so much, let me pray real fast. Father God, thank you so much for this time, and thank you for the opportunity you give me to speak and share with your people. Father God, I was such a knucklehead at 25, and I'm sure the sentiments are the same throughout this room. So thank you for this opportunity to think through lasting leadership and to bless your people. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. 25 was absolutely amazing for me, okay? And the reason it was amazing, because I was clueless to what I did not know, okay? Okay. And at 25, I was still living off the last really good decision that I had made, and that was marrying my wife, okay? So, I got married at 24. Come on, see, that's my extra cheering section right there. <laughs> Woo! Give it to me. You feel me? Um, she ride with me. Uh, uh, Ride or die, baby. Let's do that. Um, mm. So, I'm still, I'm, I'm riding off that decision, okay? That was the best one I had to date, you feel me? And so, I thought I had really done something up until that point. I was young, I was ambitious, uh, I was a dreamer, um, and I was excited about what I thought the future had in store for me. Uh, so much potential, um, but had no clue what I didn't know. I had no clue what I was lost about. And so, the first thing I think I would tell myself at 25, the very first thing would be that God is an awful talent scout, okay? He takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, okay? So, so, so listen, he doesn't care how good you are, okay? He recruits his team based on his giftings, not yours, okay? It's, it's just how it goes. listen. He knows exactly what he's getting when he's coming to the Lakers. I'm sorry, LA people. He knows exactly what he's getting. You see what I'm saying? LeBron knew when he showed up what he was working with. He came to LA because of what he knew how to do, not because of what they knew how to do, okay? That's our God, okay? That's our God. He is showing up going. He's picking us because he knows what he brings to the table, the word is true. He chooses the foolish things, and the thing was, let me help you. He 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 topped the list when he chose this foolish thing, to to confide, just to it was people it was blowing people's minds. You are what you pastoring who, where? They must don't know nothing in homestead because he's using those type of people. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. My issue was thinking that I was bringing something to the table. My issue was believing that God needed something from me more than I needed something from Him. That had me stuck. And what I had to understand was right believing produced right behaving. A.W. Tozer, he has this saying, he says, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Meaning, what you think about God shapes everything about your life. It shapes everything. And the problem was I had a bad perception of who God is. That my viewfinder was messed up. You remember those things? You know what I'm saying? I'm from the hood, so we didn't have but one of those little cards, and so we watched it all the time, okay? <laughs> You just keep trying to flip it different ways to see if you're going to see something different. <laughs> just clicking. My, my viewfinder was off. I thought God was, was, was hoping that I was going to be more, and God says, listen, I'm taking you as you are, and I'm, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to bring about change in your life, and that's where the difference is going to be. As soon as I figured out that he didn't need, I didn't need to earn God's love. I didn't need to do anything for him to accept me. As a matter of fact, he knew how jacked up I was and he was taking me as I was. Things changed. Let me help you. God wants to use you. Listen, God is going to use you. You're not disqualified, you're not done. That he's going, even through the brokenness, even through the pain, much the same way that God blessed and loved on Naomi, even though she was c- clear that God had just left her on her own, that God had done away. She says, listen, don't call me sweet, call me bitter, because that's the way God is dealing with me, and let me help you. God wants to use you. Another thing I believe I would tell myself, but I believe that I really needed to get was that character matters, that as a matter of fact, that you should spend more time on your character and less time on competence, that I thought so much about trying to be something for other people that I forgot to work on what was really on the inside of me. See, listen, competence gets you in the door, but character keeps you there. The problem was I couldn't stay in the door long enough, in the room long enough, because my character was bad. And the main reason my character was bad because I spent so much time putting on the right clothes and and giving a perception given the representative of myself, because I wanted people to believe I was something that I wasn't. And and, and around my way, we say, fake it till you make it. So in essence, you're faking it thinking you're going to make it. And I believe the problem was that I lacked suitable accountability that I lacked people in my life that I can be honest and truthful with. And the reason I lacked those people, because in my mind I thought, if you really knew who I really was, you wouldn't want to hang with me. You really wouldn't want to be around me. So if I'm struggling in that way, then I'm going, let me give you the representative. Let me give you who you think you want. And unfortunately, sometime in our churches, we are producing performers. We're producing people to look and act a certain way so that they're presentable. And it goes back to what I'm saying earlier. Listen, God is a terrible talent scout. We want people to believe he's taken the best of the best. Let me help you. None of us are what we are today. We didn't used to be those people. That God is working in our lives, and we have to give credit what credit is due, and that's to a God who loves us dearly. But I would be certain to spend more time on on creating better habits. Why? Because habits shape character. That I would spend more time trying to hold in. Habits are just recurring, often unconscious patterns of behavior that acquire uh, frequent repetition. Things that I would be doing the right things all the time. Why? Because habits drive our behavior which in turn forms our character. It makes us who we are. And the more time we spend on that, it is through habits of rebellion against God and what He wants that moves us to a place to being slaves of sin. But it's our pattern spending time before God in brokenness and being truthful and honest as if God doesn't know what you're really actually dealing with. That we produce a different type of habit in us. And that changes who we are. Because the patterns of teaching that that has in us, that that produces like allegiance to who God is, we become slaves, not not to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And that changes who we are. Does it make sense? And lastly, I would tell myself to be more responsible. Now, that's, I know, I get it, I get it. My wife probably shouted on the inside, woo, Jesus. Um, But I would tell myself to be more responsible, but let me help you with what we call responsible, okay? Because here's the thing, God is our father, Jesus is our elder brother, and that makes us what? Brothers and sisters. And I believe as brothers and sisters, God calls us to be responsible for one another, I remember being in elementary school and I got into stuff all the time. Praise, you. Praise God. I didn't need you to finish my sentence, sir. So. Um, all the time. And so on my way home, it would be easy to get into stuff. So I had an older brother who was three years older than me and I think he felt responsible. So as a result, instead of us walking home side by side, he, we would walk home with me standing in front of him and his hand on the back of my neck just kind of <laughs> guided me wherever we was going. His point was, you will not be getting in trouble on my watch, because I know what that means for me when I get home. So as a result, we just move it through the crowd like this, boom, boom, almost like dance moves, okay? In his mind, I'm responsible for him. And I believe responsibility equates to awareness. We've been aware of what's going on with one another, been aware of what's going on with ourselves. And I believe that awareness should move us to a place to live a life of sacrifice, commitment, and love. That I believe that's exactly what we should be about. That Mark chapter 8 talks about that we should, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. That we have to deny ourselves, which speaks to sacrifice, and sacrifice speaks to giving up something. For God so loved the world that he did what he gave. That, that, that the way he wanted to show his love and commitment to us was giving of himself. And I want us to notice the point here in God's giving equated to death, meaning giving up his life. Jesus is giving his death as as an example of what it means to be concerned and be responsible for those you say you love. So I would be certain to be more responsible, but that responsible would flow out of a place of commitment because he's not just saying deny yourself. He's also saying take up your cross. There's a commitment that comes with that because crosses are heavy. They're not easy things to carry. So there has to be a clear commitment to carrying it. And he's saying we need to be committed. In that commitment, you're probably going to face some opposition, some suffering, and ultimately death. Dying to your own needs, dying to your own desires, dying to your own wants. This thing sucks. Um, (laughs) Dying to all of those things. Listen, we're talking about deliberate death. To treasure Jesus more than we treasure human approval, human honor, comfort, life. That's what we're being called to. That's what it means to carry your cross. A commitment to, to God, to family, to your community. See, here's the thing. That may sound like bondage, but in truth, discipleship is freedom. That's true freedom in following Christ and knowing that those things have been cared for. But lastly, I would think about in that space, but not only am I denying myself and I'm taking up my cross, but in essence, we're being called to act and move and operate as Jesus would. When he's saying, follow me, I need you to do what I would do. That, yeah, PJ almost had it right about the t-shirt, <laughs> but here's the, it's okay. It's okay. Love you, PJ. Um, Here's the a, a point. We, we like Chick-fil-A. It's Christian chicken. Why not like it? We like Chick-fil-A, okay? But here's the thing. Chick-fil-A is known for chicken. I mean, the whole point is the cow going eat more chicken. The, the, the whole point is what we major on here at this place is chicken. The most forgiving, gracious, kind, loving people in the world should be found in the church. So what we should measure on should be our love. That John 13, 34, and 35 is clear that we will be known as God's disciples based on what? How we love one another. So when you show up to our spot at the movement, we want to be known as the loving church. We don't want to be known as the cool church. We don't want to be known as the hippie church. We don't want to be known as the black church. Just saying, if y'all didn't know what it was. We don't want to be known as that. We want to be known as the church that loves well. So I want to be, I would say, I'm talking to my 25-year-old self. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to him, and I'm saying you should love well. Be authentic in who we are so that those around us may see the love of Jesus Christ through our efforts, through our intentions, through our actions toward one another. Because I believe when we put that healthy picture on display for our community to see, it begins to change the world. Because when we think about Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, they're loving well. They're caring for one another. They're meeting needs. And it's those those actions that cause other people to be added. The Word says, and they were added to their numbers daily. Daily. Because there was a healthy picture put on display for that community to see. See, listen, Jesus is our best example of what love is and how we should love, how we should be stewards of that great love that's been shown to us. That can be communicated through two words, visibility and accessibility. That I believe that responsibility means being visible, being accessible to one another. And there were moments throughout my life and in my marriage that I wasn't visible and I wasn't accessible. And I was broken and I was hurting, and I saw God come in and love me in the midst of that. And I'm so grateful for what God has done for me and my wife and how he's thought enough of us to call us to a place to plant a church and to love on a community the way he's loved us. It will be a hard conversation, but I would have a lot to say to my 25-year-old self. God bless you guys. Thank you. But I...